she fly, she never polished cuckoo till fourth day.
Welcome to Owen's Alchemy. Today we have the great pleasure of welcoming back Chance. Chance is the host of the most excellent Interverse podcast, which is uh, on Rockfin and uh, YouTube and all the different podcast apps. Um, Chance has a presentation that he's uh, updated that I'm extremely excited to hear about, so I'm pretty much just going to hand the wheel off to him um and sit back and ask some questions when it gets done but uh go ahead and uh let everybody know where they can uh find you or all any other information you want uh before we get started chance if they haven't heard of you yeah buddy thanks for having me back i'm really excited to hang again you know it feels like we're in pretty close contact lately now that we're spidering all the time but yes coming back to odin's alchemy is exciting because the last time we came on together I felt like that was a pretty big one. And this does build on or connect to the ideas in that conversation. I'm sure if people go yep. back, I think that was episode 13, but my stuff is at interversepodcast.com. So they can find my weekly shows there. Usually put out two shows a week, sometimes more doing all kinds of fun stuff, like uh, some bonus things once a month, a Marvel movie decode with a couple of the bros. We just did Dr. Strange. And it's Ooh, crazy. The new Doctor Strange or the or the the first old, one. The first but there's one. a lot in the first one. Yeah, we're gonna cover the new one too. But we just wanted to, since we are so keen on the new one in terms of having obvious things to decode. I mean, it's literally got Marvel's version of the Illuminati in it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the first one felt like a good place to go. We had a great time. It was about a four hour stream, but our steam was high powered the whole time and. Uh, yeah, it's crazy what you can decode in those movies, the sort of inversion of the social programming that's in there by yep. reverse engineering it. You can kind of like discover profound truths instead. So it's like regardless, if you got the eyes to see, the propaganda actually still only shows you the truth. And we have fun as comic book nerds diving into that. But yeah, my main show, Interverse Podcast, all kinds of good guests on there. Yeah, you can also hit me up for sound healing, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So I'll give my email where people can find that on my website at any point. But that's what the presentation is about today. We're going to discuss ether, the physics of ether, if you will, because nice. this has got a lot of like scientific materialist backing, really. I mean, the woo aspect is still not very accepted by anyone mainstream, but a lot of what we're talking about has measurable reality if you will. And I know that not everything that is important in this existence needs to be able to be measured. But to me, this particular field of spiritual science is a really important bridge between the woo and the, the materialist. Maybe I'm all, I'm all about way. that kind of thing. All about that. Just like with alchemy, a lot of people look at alchemy as very woo. And I'm like, no, look, this is lab work. It's lab work. Yes. You can extrapolate things from the lab work that, then become physical or spiritual and you can adapt them practices with the spiritual understanding, but the beginning of it always, you can always find it there in the lab. So that's just beautiful. Yeah, buddy. So I've got actual slides. You guys are cool to let me do a screen yeah. share. Yeah. You know it. Awesome. And, and I wanted to throw in chance. Uh, and, and this is just by chance, chance, <laughs> uh, that uh, I happened to be at the same spot when I wasn't home when we recorded last time. I am at the same spot when we recorded last time. Just random as hell. 
That's so funny. I remember the last episode you had to like go get in a car and you're going from one place to another. Man, that was funny. And now you're frozen. So maybe we'll get a little bit of repeat of the tech issues from before. But let me see if I can just pull up the screen share. I'm sure you'll come back. Okay. Got a PowerPoint and I want to be able to hear audio. Uh, thank you, Jared, for pulling this up on the screen. This is the title slide. What I do, the work that I do involves tuning forks. That is my particular modality. You could call it vibrational healing. You could call it aura balancing. Uh, it has a lot to do with the concept, conceptualization of the chakra system. And what falls under the umbrella term sound healing is really different from place to place and practitioner to practitioner. So I'm not a huge fan of that term just because it brings to mind for people like laying down in the yoga studio while people play singing bowls and gongs around you, which don't get me wrong. I think there's benefit to that. And I think it's really relaxing and energizing to be immersed in coherent sound, no doubt. <laughs> but it's also very different from what it is that uh, I learned how to do. And I'll get into where I learned this and people can study this for themselves because it's kind of self-taught for me. Other than well, self-taught by going through the materials of people who pioneered this technique. But this first slide, vibrational healing, I just wanted to show as a demonstration in this little video clip why matter isn't as solid as we like to believe it is. This is a big tuning fork right here. Giant uh, tuning fork. Yeah, yeah. These are made by a dude who with a, with a website called EarthTuned. I think it's tunedearth.com, but the company is called EarthTuned. Not cheap. They're like artisan giant tuning forks. I got to brag on my community for being so kind and say thanks to them for uh, the hundredth time because I'm so grateful. But they actually pulled together and made a GoFundMe on my birthday and got me one of these big bad tuning forks. And I don't have it yet. I'll have it later in the month. But that is extremely exciting to me because it's like a piece of art that is also functional as a healing tool. But all right. So when we look at this video, you're going to see how solid metal is wobbling and vibrating and waving like water or something. It doesn't look solid at all. So check this out. So <laughs> that's and, what... And because, because of the size, you can so easily see that because it's so giant. Exactly. With the smaller tuning forks, you can't see the wobble like that up close as easily, but those, and they're so shiny and reflective. It's really pretty amazing. So that's just a little demonstration of what we're talking about, that the, uh, the ether theory that we're going to be getting into is trying to describe how everything material, all forms of energy, all forms of light, vibration, electricity, sound are perturbations of a primary substance, a primary medium that we're calling ether. So let me get into the next slide here. This is a great quote. I've probably, I might've even used this quote the last time we talked because it's so, so important and relevant. Once we open up to the flow of energy within our body, we can also open up to the flow of energy in the universe. And that is something we're going to uncover as we go further, the fractality of this concept of ether and our bodies as a vessel, a container for this universal life force energy 
that has many different names, but that quote is from Wilhelm Reich. I've got one of um, Mitch's Oregon devices right here. Handy. Nice. Nice. Send me some really nice ones. Yeah. And you guys probably remember the really great conversation that Ben and Mitch had for Odin's alchemy quite a while back. Yeah. That was an extremely enlightening one. So I'm going to move us forward and we're going to talk about ether. And after I go through some of the points on this slide, then we can talk about it. Uh, I definitely, I'm not here just to rehash a a presentation. I've done this in one other place, although it was kind of paywalled. I really want Mm. Ben's input on this because I think that you'll have some things to add that will teach me more about the subject because I feel like as adept as I am at explaining it at this level, I'm basically a yellow belt in terms of the science of of ether and plasma. There's so much more that I could know, but okay. So ether, the ether is the luminiferous plasmic medium through which emerges all energy and matter in the cosmos within which all existence is woven with instantaneous non-local connection between all points. It is the fulcrum between the wave particle duality. Okay, so that's a lot of big words. (laughs) When we're talking about plasma, that is a word that needs definition in and of itself, but it's considered by science to be like the fourth state of matter, but it's really not a material state. It is is a thing that is achieved by matter when it's kind of like in the between zone between being material and pure energy. Like what defines plasma, I believe, in the scientific jargon, is that it's atoms that have been completely stripped of their electrons, where their electrons are freely floating as sort of a soup of potential. And it's beyond gas in terms of the speed of vibration that everything's moving at. So plasma is quite an amazing and newly discovered, if you will, area of science that needs a lot more, a lot more research into it. But one of the things about it that's so incredible is that on its own, plasma forms filaments and membranes and dendrites, if you will. Just imagine how many aspects of universe actually form this pattern, like trees that grow and branch, and then those branches branch, or the veins in your body, or the way that lightning arcs and branches out. All of these things are natural expressions of freely flowing energy. So I like to look at it as energy and flow is always making these branches and these expansions, right? And we can talk more about that. It's considered, ether is considered luminiferous because kind of like you need a a medium for sound to travel through in a vacuum, there could be no sound. The same is true of light. Light needs something to be acting upon for the light to transmit from point A to point B. There is no empty space in the universe. Everything is connected by this etheric uh, soup, if you will. It is also akin to prana or life force energy in the sense that because that's what everything emerges out of and is created out of, that's also what energizes you as a being. So this part of universe, this ether, because it's interconnected between all points at all times, is basically the way that we can understand the the illusion of separation, that there is actually no separation or distance other than mentally as a mental concept or construct. And that in the ether realm, at that level of existence, everything is one thing. It's kind of like the uh, the Gnostic idea of the pleroma, 
that we were talking about with uh, with Jared before we came on. So because we can make this connection between ether and life force energy itself, I like to say that the aspect of reality or universe that is one, the oneness that everyone's always like harping on about in the new age, life force energy is actually the one thing. There's only one life in the cosmos expressing itself through all the different vessels that carry the life force energy. So we have a multiplicity of vessels that creates the individuality, the differences, all the plurality and uniqueness and infinity. But the animating force, which isn't really a substance, it's not really a force, it's something beyond that. It just is. And that's the ether or the life force. So the life force or life itself is the aspect of existence that is one and that has no beginning or no end. So because of that, this layer of our body and our body has many layers. If you study spiritual traditions, you will find out about, you know, the astral body, the emotional body, the physical body. There's many different ways of dividing our experience and understanding the different realms at which we can localize our consciousness. But the etheric level is the level that our body is connected to all that is. And like I said, uh, ether being this kind of a plasmic medium, it naturally creates membranes. So whenever we get into discussing the biofield, which is our personal bubble space of ether, also known as the aura, it's actually marked by a double layer plasma membrane, which is an outer boundary very much like a cell. And when we get into talking about how tuning forks function on this ether and influence it, that's something that a person can actually really quickly learn how to detect using different methods like dowsing or, or sound to actually find the edge of their biofield where this plasma membrane is. Uh, so our biofield that is this container for the ether is a fractal microcosm of the universal etheric body. This is really important to realize because it means that whenever you do any kind of, this is what explains, if you will, the idea that you change yourself and you change the world or that the only way to fix the world is to heal yourself. That concept. That's because on a fractal level, you are a microcosm of the entire universal etheric body. It's all contained within your vessel. You know, we've heard it from every tradition that the Christians say that we're made in the image of the creator, that idea. Well, it's absolutely true on the conceptualization of the ether. That's that, that's how it works. So the other important thing to know about the ether is that the ether, the universe's etheric body, is the Akashic record, if you will. It's where the memory of the universe is at. And this is important. The reason why we can make this conjecture, other than that we can find this out by exploring in our own microcosm biofield and finding out that that's where your memory is stored and that's how you know yourself. We know this also because if this is the medium through which everything emerges and everything is created, then also that medium, if you will, or that, for lack of better words, substance or energy needs to know where everything was at before so that in every moment it keeps vibrating in the right one song, if you will, universe, so that creation progresses forward in a orderly fashion. <laughs> I say orderly because it's really important to understand without this concept of ether, 
you get the ideas of like a dead entropic universe that's just falling apart that will eventually die a heat death of everything dissipating into nothingness. But that's obviously not true because when you observe nature, when you observe life, when you observe even things like synchronicity, there's clearly an organizing principle at work that is equal to or greater, really greater than the entropic force. So this is the Akashic record. It's the memory of the universe. It's the self-organizing principle. And as far as your biofield and your ether bubble being where your memory is stored, I've been able to demonstrate that through working with the tuning forks in people's field and coming across things that they're holding there that are akin to memories. And what is also important to realize is that no neuroscientist or neurosurgeon or materialist thinker of any type has ever been able to find the filing cabinet in your brain and the cells in the drawer that have the record of exactly what happened to you on Tuesday, the 3rd of July, 1997, right? It's not there. It's not stored in your cells. There's aspects of memory stored in your cells in, in terms of like an energetic patterning. And that's what tension is that you hold in your body. But that's actually, in my opinion, happening because there's an etheric disturbance that's then causing the body to hold that pattern. So the memory is in your body in a sense, but not in the detailed and articulate perfect record that it is in the ether. So you can look at your biofield or your etheric body is also the blueprint blueprint or template that your body is created out of. So the last thing on this slide before we can pull down the, uh, the slides for now and get some of Ben's thoughts is that our consciousness is non-local and it is a part of this vibrating electromagnetic field of the universal ether which means that your consciousness is the energy of life force itself. It is the medium of creation itself. Uh, back to the idea of the ether holding and storing memory or being the Akashic record, it has to also be conscious in order to do that. It has to be consciousness itself. It's the, the primary grounds of all of existence. So realizing all of this, it becomes very important to start to do what many ancient practices have told us to become a better vessel and holder of this prana or this chi or this ether that instead of leaking it out all the time and having holes in our vessel to start improving the integrity of that vessel so that we can hold more of the life force. And that, that will allow us to have a larger impact for good and for order and for self-organization and synchronicity on the entire external world, if that makes sense. So Jared, you can pull this down for now. We can get into some of Ben's thoughts about ether. Oh, I really like that last part. That's a, that's a, such a very, very interesting concept. And we had, you had uh, brought that up on maybe the last weaving spiders or the weaving spiders before that. Um, and you were talking about vampirism uh, off of the holes that it creates. And I'd been uh, rolling this whole that all the whole thing around in my head since uh, you had said that. Um, such a very interesting concept. So, <clears throat> excellent presentation. Um, ex excellent. So many things to talk about here. Uh, so, absolutely, when you're looking at the, the the one part that is missing out of the deal is is the salt. And, and that's, and that gets 
pulled out of almost everything. So when you're looking at the ether, you're absolutely right. It's a medium and a hundred percent. And that is where everything's appearing at. So when you're looking at like a, with plant alchemy, what, what on our material realm, we can start look, what we can compare to ether is mercury. So <clears throat> mercury is setting the boundaries. Um, it's allowing transitions. Uh, so that's where, like, when you're talking about the pure one energy consciousness, which I 100% agree again, um, I, I, I don't disagree with any of it. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. But uh, uh, then that's going through the, the ether in and of itself. Now, then what's also adding that last component to the whole situation is the salt or the magnetism as a as opposed to the electricity the lodestone that's drawing that so that's giving it a uh, uh, form and and uh <clears throat> function like a radio that, signal in a receiver your body is right. that salt bridge for the ether's memory to then express through and be yes. able to become knowable yes exactly and so the ether is like you said the access point that's where you're going to see the expression of these two things meeting. And that's what the ego is, is the ego is also on that level. Um, is that's why, like when you're doing alchemy, you burn that ego part out because that's acting as the current mercury. And then you go back in and with a cleaned up mercury, you do redo the, uh, alchemical marriage. So what you're seeing to the world is through that, uh, uh, medium um and that medium it's gonna pick up like when you're looking at the salt side the salt side is kind of is where the memory's sitting so that's and and the medium in and of itself is gonna do two things it, it's just like opening up the the uh the software opening up the hardware in your computer now i can put things into that and i can take things out um and that thing that's going in and out is that one energy, that one source. So now I can connect that one source into the salt. So when you're looking at it alchemically or like the way the occult talks about it is that you're the way the great work works is uh, the, the sulfur or the great fire is supposed to go through the mercury and enliven and free the trapped souls in the salt because the salt is frozen, it, but it still has a tiny piece of sulfur in it. It's still got a spark of life in it. And so the big life or the big uh, sulfur is supposed to go through the mercury and enliven that and free that trapped soul. Um, so like after the alchemical uh, procedures, now this salt isn't hard anymore. You've got the philosopher's stone, the stone of whatever you made but now this is accessible it's not this hard crystalline inaccessible substance um you know like with the moto's work uh water was acting as the ether in that situation where now that we've got uh the salt mixed with water he can take and make these little droplets and you can see the cymatic patterns in it and then what you're getting ready to discuss next with the tuning forks and things uh, affecting that, what you're going to see is through the water, 
the water is going to pick up that signal that you're laying down. And, and that's easy enough for anybody to test at home. You can even just yell at water, a, a nice bowl of water, and you can see your sound vibrations getting picked up by that water. Well, then inside the water, the, the mineral salts is what's holding that hard uh, uh, memory and taking in that vibration, that signal, and, and keeping it. And then later, if there's no external signal, it's what's it's going to show you, hey, this is what's been here. Um, this is why Emoto, when Emoto went to go put external force into the into his experiments, he had to remove the memory from the water, which was distilling the water or taking out the, the salts. And now that water doesn't have any memory and whatever you put in it is you're acting as the sulfur or the high source in that instance by putting that signal out. Um, you know, it's not like you're meditating in a mo- quiet mountain and, you know, there's no sound and you're just getting direct source. You're acting as the source and yelling at the water. But absolutely fascinating. And I also love that part where it's uh, uh, the hinge point between uh, the wave and particle duality. That is a fat, that is a fantastic statement. Um, That's my personal thinking about it anyway. I don't know if I read that somewhere, but that's how I feel about it. You know, also a way to look at the ether is like pure potentiation in the sense of very similar to water in that way. If water is purely distilled and has no salts in it that. Okay. So whenever you, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but whenever you're actually exploring somebody's biofield using sound and looking for dissonance, which is akin to like frozen memory, frozen, Mm -hmm. frozen uh, trauma that you may do a session with somebody one day and find something in one spot and not find something somewhere else. But then the next time you come in and uh, work with them, you'll find something in a spot where there was nothing before, but that something had always been there. It just wasn't Mm -hmm. ready to be revealed yet, if you will. So there's mm-hmm, almost like mm-hmm. a higher order intelligence, the intelligence of the body, the intelligence of the ether itself, something like that guides the process. And so there's, a I, I, I don't want to side, I don't want to sidetrack because I got an answer for this. It's, this is so cool. This whole thing you're saying right now is so fucking cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to sidetrack though, but no, no, go ahead. We got to come back to this. Okay. So when you're looking at the salts, the salts each have different structurings. You're, you, you can take and look up your different cell salts and you can see that some of them are a, a more refined structure and some of them are a more simple structure. So what you can easily extrapolate from that is that the ones that are the simple structure, these are going to be fairly easily opened and fairly easily overwritten. The, then as you move through your 12 cell salts, you're going to other memories are going to be also in these other salts and you're going to have to keep opening up each layer of salt and finding this whole set of memories that's sitting in this next uh, more stable layer of salt. Cause when you're looking at it alchemically, that's like, that's uh, you have 12 layers of oil and then 12 layers of salt and each layer of oil unlocks a layer of salt until you get up to the very highest oil and that very highest oil, like a snakehead biting the tail, comes down and opens up that very lowest, most stable salt. Yeah, that is fascinating. And how it responds to intention 
is also really important mm-hmm. to point out that just like the water can respond to your intention and the words that you shout at it or that you tape to the side of the jar. When you work with this type of modality, in my opinion, it's really important to set clear intentions and almost contracts with yourself or with whoever you're doing the practice with. So I'll like specifically make sure that we're in agreement, me and the client, that higher self, which is the universal ether, it's the same higher self for everybody in that sense, is what guides the process. And then there's no wrong way for them to receive or feel or experience it. And there's no wrong way for me to go about doing it that I'm just kind of jumping into a flow state and whatever happens, I trust is the right way for it to happen. And again, like different results can occur for the same individual from session to session. Like you almost like you're saying that getting to deeper levels of old, usually it's older stuff that comes out in the later sessions. Mm -hmm. It's older in them, hidden in them, more stable, more, you know, refined salts, more foundational stuff. Yeah. 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 Not always, though. I mean, it can go in whatever order seems to be most helpful for the person's healing, too. So it's uh, it's different for everybody. That's part of what I like about it. So we're going to talk about now how coherent sound plays into this. Uh, coherent sound. This is a quote from Eileen Day McCusick, who I'm about to get into her work in a second. But she says, coherent sound used in the body's auric field has the centropic potential to bring lost life force back into our bodies. It is akin to sonic soul retrieval. So we've probably, a lot of us have heard about the idea of soul retrieval or that whenever somebody's in a a bad way in their energy body, that there's fractions and fragmentation. I mean, even the word demon etymologically refers to like, is close to daimon, which is two and mon. So two and mind or two and man, either way that you look at it is about a schisming, a splitting gone too far. This is what develops people into like schizophrenia and dissociative identity disorder, that there's fragments of their life force energy in their field that are walled off and blocked from the rest of their field. And because this energy is akin to the very thing that animates us and brings consciousness to life in the first place. These, these fragments actually have a type of life and consciousness of their own. And the more stagnant they get and the bigger the vortex or whirlpool of stuck energy gets, the more it takes on almost a, you could say, demonic possession type of like, I, I can look at the entire concept of demonic possession and simplify it down to biofield dynamics without it needing to be anything woo woo or spiritual or mystical. Or I can totally accept somebody's way of describing things like that as being demonic and it works functionally the same way. So I just approach it in a simpler and kind of less scary way and say that it's just stuck energy in their biofield. So when we're talking about coherent sound and the syntropic potential of it, uh, the example that I always give and will continue to give because it's the most mind blowing one is with metronomes. So if you take a bunch of metronomes, you know, those things that p- piano players use to keep time, they go tick, 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 you set the, set the pace of it. You get a bunch of them and set them off at different timings in the same room. And you come back to that room later, they will have all synced up to each other. No joke. You can find, go look this up for yourself. It's, it's amazing. So what that, that means is, is fucking this, cool, right? <laughs> So there's this self-organizing principle that I'm talking about in creation, and it has a lot to do with sound and rhythm. 
And coherent sound is what that would be defined as would be a waveform, if you will, that has consistency, right? That it's like musical in that way. It's not off. It, you know, there's a dissonant sound all around us all the time. Think about somebody using a leaf blower <laughs> outside while you're trying to record a podcast and you're just like, that is a horrible sound. Or even things that you don't notice that are around you all the time. People who are sensitive, I myself am one of them, can't go to bed if I leave the Wi-Fi on because I can hear it when everything else is quiet. I can hear that high-pitched like... And uh, yeah, refrigerators are the same scream. way. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that whiny scream. Because we, we, because I live off grid, literally at night, we turn all power. There's zero power in my house. There's no oh. power lines by me or, you know, you anywhere near good. me. Oh, yeah. But, but it late at night when everything's quiet. Oh, you bet. You can hear that high pitch scream. It's just, it's kind of creepy. Freya, go away. <laughs> Yeah, it is, it is kind of creepy, man. I mean, there's could be who knows what's writing in on that sound. But I do know that our bodies instinctively react to sound because we're made of sound. And so whether or not we're cognizant of it, just being around something like a noisy, bad sounding refrigerator can cause us to tense our body almost in defense, a defensive posture against that sound without even realizing it. And look at the way society is or living in a city where you're immersed in these type of uh, and, and you throw and you throw into it that most people are living under fluorescent lights now, which is not a, a, a streamlined light, like your incandescent that's actually firing hundreds and hundreds of times. Just and, and even though you might not consciously realize it, you subconsciously do. And also just like this sound. Well, it's important to even point that out because actually sound and light are not different. They're the same exact phenomenon at a different level of vibration, a different rate. So like whenever you see lightning flash and then later you hear the thunder, it's because it's the same exact thing happening, but part of the wave traveled faster than the other part of the wave. And you saw the light aspect of the wave before you heard the thunder aspect of the wave, but it's the same thing all the way from gamma rays down to infrared. Everything is sound. Everything is vibration. So light and sound are not actually different. Electricity and sound are not actually different. And that's where the idea of tuning forks to actually heal and energize your body and your field becomes really sensible because using sound is actually using, you're applying electricity to your body, but at a really low voltage that is not disruptive and is at a harmonic. So the idea of coherent sound is really important to add to our life as a remedy to all the dissonant energies that we're constantly bathing in and also helps to know and have the intellectual scaffolding to stand on so that our body can trust and apply the process more clearly and easily that whenever harmony and dissonance are put into the same equation, the dissonance adapts to the harmony, if you will. Harmony always wins. That's why like Mitch's technology is effective, even though it may seem like it's just a hunk of metals and crystals. It's putting off scalar waves. That's what they're called, but it's really not or orgone energy. But this is actually just coherent ether. <laughs> it's no different. And you could use one word or the other and be talking about the same thing. So, yeah, um, basically what I'm what I'm trying to get at is that no matter 
no matter what's going on in the field around you, if you can be generating coherence, if you are a container and a powerful vessel for coherence, then you are not as subject to the dissonance around you. It's kind of like a shield, like the stronger your bubble of ether is in your biofield, the more defined uh, that plasmic membrane, that outer sheath is, the stronger defense you have against everything dissonant in your environment. And you actually just being in that environment, transmute it and change it yourself. And that becomes really important to realize. Another metaphor that's really useful to understand this is that you cannot shine darkness into a light room and make the light go away, but you can shine light into a dark room and the dark goes away. Same thing with dissonance and coherence in terms of sound or light or vibration, if that makes sense. Right, right. You can't put, you can't shine dissonance into, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I really like where you started out with that, um, that uh, when you're doing these healings on people, um, you're asking them to open up any kind of a shielding that their field would normally have and accept uh, vibrations and intentions and things much more easily. I so that you say specifically to them, I, I tell them, and I'm talking to a layer of their self, not their conscious mind, but I say, I ask the part of themselves that is the protective layer that holds back memories and information and awareness of things that it, that that part of it, of ourselves is programmed to hold back from our conscious mind as a protective mechanism because it's like, what are you going to do with this trauma or this bad memory right now? If you don't have the mm-hmm. coherence to transmute it, then we're not going to, this part of yourself isn't going to let you feel it or see it. So I actually, I ask that part of them to drop the guard and let the higher force of the universal ether take charge of that and then be in charge of what is and isn't allowed through. And that doesn't mean everything comes rushing through in a way that is unbearable or overwhelming. It just facilitates the process of unlocking stuff that's hidden or stuck. Uh, that's fantastic and that that you set the intention around it because at that point they're susceptible to receiving things so much so you need to make sure that that's all good stuff that they're getting this is so well done um all around that's i really like that that's that's fantastic um another important thing about the uh, coherent sound as a, a medicine vibrational medicine i learned this from dr bruce lipton i'm pretty sure but We understand that our cells have an outer membrane, Mm kind of like what I'm describing with the ether. And on a fractal level, we we probably are all aware that life is fractal and that it's self-similar across scales. So this etheric membrane is a lot like our cellular membrane. And one thing that our cellular membrane does that's part of how allopathic pharmaceutical-based medicine or even like herbalism or homeopathy is able to function is that when the medicine is introduced to the cell, the cell membrane has to uh, change itself and shift and transform so that it has the receptors to take in whatever the new nutrient is that it thinks is going to help it. Mm -hmm. Right? So part of what's happening when you apply medicine to the body is just that you're actually transforming yourself on a cellular level. Because if you change the uh, outer membrane of the cells because the receptors are shifting to take in something new, you're also changing the resonant field frequency that is being put off by your cells. In fact, the cilia on the membrane of a cell wall, the little feelers are 
really designed like little miniature tuning forks themselves. It's uh, pretty amazing. And this is part of where like the, the materialist science meets the woo, but it's been demonstrated that when you use sound or vibration or electricity on the body, different at different, uh, different frequencies, if you will, that the cell membrane will actually shift and change the shape and size of its receptors based on the sound that it's being immersed in. So it can create the same effect as allopathic pharmaceutical medicine, but with sound and no toxicity and thus none of those side effects. And and this is no different than what I'm talking like uh, one of the talks that I like to give where I'm talking about uh, frankincense and myrrh and uh, cinnamon and cassia opening up the uh, cannabinoid receptors and the opioid receptors that uh, that makes those receptors active. So that way, when the when the actual cannabinoids or opioids get put into the system, it's received. And what Chance is talking about here is doing that same thing on a sound level. The same thing happens as above, so below on every level. And the more open you can make yourself to whatever you're trying to receive, that's the only way you can do it. That's fantastic. Yeah, the power of belief and intention is a huge factor in all this. You bet. You bet. And then uh, after that, Chance started talking about uh, uh, one of the things, and I do talk about this, that even biblically they, they talk about this. When God said, let there be light, then we have an order of precedence because he says that there, he says, so that sound, sounds the very first vibration, then light. And then worlds start appearing, things start appearing as, as that starts breaking off and becoming uh, uh, more wide and varied vibration. Other things start happening, but sound and light are your first two vibrations that are happening. And one of the things I talk about when you're doing that is, is just like with your metals, where I'm explaining that the metals match the luminaries. You can take and apply heat, which just speeds the particles of these metals up, and eventually it will hit a a light form, and eventually it will also start screaming. It will glow with light first, but eventually if you keep getting it hotter and hotter, that metal will literally start to scream, and anybody that's cut metal knows this. Um, so that scream is the particles of that metal vibrating fast enough to go to sound. And then when you quit applying the heat and they cool down and move slower, now they go back down into their solid form. So all of this that chance is saying is very scientific and you can prove so many of these things to yourself at home with very simple tools. Yeah, man. I'm, I remember Mitch telling me about how if you take a cup of water, like get one of those red cups mm-hmm. from beer pong <laughs> and you uh, fill it with water and you put it in the freezer with one of these organite pucks that he makes under it. And then you wait for it to freeze and come back later. The water will have frozen with a hollow vortex, a vortex in the middle of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because that was another point that I wanted to make. So as you started de- describing this process, um, I don't recall what the word that you used that that lady uh, had, but it was definitely a vortex type word, a circular motion type word um, where she was talking about bringing the 
fragmented pieces back together Centropy? and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The organizing um, principle is like the opposite of entropy. Right. right. Um, which, you know, which you look at that, uh, your centrifugal force, things like that, where you're taking and aligning this. Um, and what it reminded me very much of is uh, dead stagnant water. And the one of the ways that uh, they really work on re-enlivening that is putting it through pipes that are, uh, you know, uh, that spin it. Vortex. And give it, a, yeah, and vortex it. And then that re-enlivens it and brings it back to life and pulls that uh, that uh, sulfur element, element back into it and re-enlivens it. Um, and then also uh, what you were talking about with that stagnation bringing demons. Now, th- this is absolutely fascinating because uh, now one of the first things that you learn when you're taught when you're looking at old alchemy is the archaeus of water. And that's one of your first alchemical experiments that you're supposed to do, where you basically are just taking just plain water and you're going to put this through the alchemical process. And and so the first thing you do is you go collect some water, be it rainwater, stream water, whatever. And you take and you literally ferment that water, which is stagnating it. You make it go stagnant. And when it uh, ferments, an entire biome is going to appear. Uh, now, a lot of people in the truth community call these uh, Morgellons. And I don't know if Morgellons also appear or not. I don't know. Um, but but the fact is, is historically, these little voracious creatures will start appearing in that stagnant water. And it's happened since long before chemtrails or anything like that. Um, it's called the Archaeus of Water. And then, uh, uh, you know, the longer that you let it sit, more complex creatures will come along and eat those lesser complex creatures, so on and so forth. And this is all, again, reminding me of demons with this whole, with the stagnation of energy, what you're talking about. So when that energy gets stagnant, this life that's going to come break it apart and eat it up, just like in the Archaeus of water is going to appear. And the only way to re-enliven that water is to vortex it or put it through, put it back in motion. And in that motion, it'll start self-organizing and put itself back together and heal. It's fucking fantastic. Love it, brother. I love that you're saying that because you're demonstrating something really important, which is that every archetype of energy or consciousness in reality is all in service to the imperial self. The imperial self is this universal ether. It is the flow of life force energy eternally and uninterrupted. So even in life, whenever we get into a state where we call in vampiric people or situations that harm, that seem like they're doing us harm, it's really there to break up our stagnancy and get us back in flow to show us the weakness in our game, if you will. Yeah. And when I, when I talk about something as being a demon, I think my definition of that has to do with like it's energy. That's in a vessel or container that is disconnected from source or from the rest of nature. And that's what's causing that stagnancy. So it makes me wonder about some of our technology. Makes me wonder about some of these uh, devices that have got electricity in a closed circuit loop that's not connected to the rest of the cosmos in a free flowing open system way. Mm, Okay. And then another point that you made. so plasma state being 
uh, all electrons have been released from it. So it's in a pure ionic state is what we can really call it as opposed to electron. Now, all these things that you're the water in our about, body, the water in our cells is actually in that state. Right, right. So everything that you're talking about in technology is a, driven off of supposedly off of electrons. Which is that's just absolutely fascinating what you're what, what you're saying right there. That's fascinating. <laughs> Should we? Uh, well, you want to continue into talking about yeah. some of the the modality? Okay, yeah, so I'm going to bring on, up. The, I'm going to bring up. Uh, here's a couple books here, but I've got a slide of these two. But I just wanted to show that I got them at hand always. These two books are my number one recommendation. Jared, will you put our slide back up on screen? For learning about this particular stuff, I could not recommend more highly the two books by Eileen Dane McCusick. She's kind of like my unofficial guru. <laughs> I'm not sponsored by her store or anything, but I will definitely continue to point people in her direction to get the tools. She's an amazing woman. She's got the credentials in terms of academic research, but also the experience in the woo stuff and in the energy work. So... Her books, the first one is called Tuning the Human Biofield, the one on the left there. This is the first one I read. It's an older book, but this describes her journey to discovering what she calls the biofield anatomy, which is something we'll get into later as we go, which is how the uh, the aura or the ether in our bubble actually has a consistent structure from person to person. So if there's stuck energy in one part of our field in a specific zone, it's going to be the exact same emotional resonance or experiential quality as if somebody else had stuck energy in that spot, which means if you get to a level of attunement with your tuning forks, and it's not as hard as it might sound, you'll actually be able to almost psychically, it is kind of psychically, be able to tell somebody what their own life experience was and when a particular type of trauma happened to them and which parent it related to and all kinds of very specific information you can find in their biofield if you have the map. So she she created the map. And for that, I think the world is quite unaware of how much of a debt of gratitude that it owes her. This might be old information, old knowledge that was known before that she's rediscovering experientially. And it's highly based off of the the system of chakras from the East. Highly, I mean, it kind of proves the chakras, honestly. <laughs> It's really quite amazing. We'll get into that anatomy as we go. Her second book, Electric Body, Electric Health. This is a more recent book. And you can find interviews on my channel. Pretty sure Christy her. has that book. I'm pretty oh, sure. Really good. So the first book is more about actually learning the process of biofield tuning, she calls it, or, or uh, sound balancing. And the second book is more deep into the science of electric universe, of plasma, and how electricity governs our health and our body. And she still talks about biofield stuff in there. It's kind of like, you know, the second book is kind of like an update of the first book. But if you were wanting to become a practitioner or experiment with this modality, I would actually get both books and start with the first one. If you're just interested in this as a subject and you want to get some ideas about how to apply the knowledge of your electric body and how electricity influences your health to your life and your daily practices and behaviors, but you don't necessarily see yourself becoming like a practitioner then the uh, the newer book would be all you need. You'd be all set. So let me get to the next slide here. Great quote from her from Electric Body, Electric Health. The human body is not only an instrument, it is a self-tuning instrument. 
just like you can tune a use a tuning fork to tune a piano or a guitar, somewhat miraculously, you can also use a tuning fork to tune the body. This is absolutely true in my experience. But now we're going to jump ahead or jump forward to um, another part of all this that is super important. And that is the concept of biophotons. Biophotons, biophoton emission is the spontaneous emission of ultra-weak light emanating from all living systems, including man. The emission is linked to the endogenous production of excited states within the living system. Okay, so let me decipher that. (laughs) Your body is actually putting off light at all times. Uh, We are made of light. We're made of ether. And it's detectable, actually, this emission with the right sensitive uh, instruments. Now, it says that the emission is linked to the endogenous production of excited states within the living system. What that's really saying is that stress on a biological system causes a higher emission of biophotons. So a being that is injured or upset in some way. Just like a piezoelectrics is that you've put pressure and stress into a crystal. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point, which is another point in the category that crystals are alive. They're, they're another form of life that just moves slower than us, so we don't see them as animated. Although I've had crystals vibrate in my hand like a cell phone before, so <laughs> I think that they're pretty alive. Um, so some ideas about biophotons uh, that are really important, like plants do this emission, our bodies do this emission, DNA actually is doing this. DNA is putting off light and your cells and the DNA in your cells is also got uh, photon receptors in them. So at all times, your body on the DNA level is both communicating with nature through the emission of these biophotons and receiving information from all nature, from all other life forms around you, from the biophotons they're emitting, which is pretty amazing. So there's many levels through which we're interconnected and our system is communicating with every other system of life at all times from the EMF field that your heart is putting off to the actual light that is emitting from your body. But the important thing about this to recognize for going forward in this as a healing is important part of our knowledge and healing is that the stress state or the injured state, your body is leaking light. So if you're leaking light, it's akin to losing life force energy. It's like you're a balloon and somebody popped a hole in it. But it doesn't, uh, <laughs> you know, think about, I mean, this applies to all levels of the fractal. If you get stabbed and you leak all your blood, you're going to die. Well, light is a nut, light, your biophotons, if you will, the light or the ether that you contain in your vessel is sort of like another level of blood. It's like your etheric blood. You need that to be alive too. It's just not as dire and as physical and as root as your actual liquid blood. So if you take like a, say a green bean plant that's alive and you take a little razor and you score it. You can bring this slide down now for Jared. You take a little razor and you, uh, you score it and make little cross hatch marks on the, the bean stalk. And then you take it and look at it through the sensitive equipment that can detect biophoton emission. Even though you've done nothing damaging enough to this bean stalk to actually kill it or thwart it from growing, you will see. They, a they call it scraping. Scraping. Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, like when you're scoring it, like I'm saying? Yeah. Well, if you measure something after that's happened, you will see a huge emission of biophotons coming out of it as it is stressed. 
but the same goes for like emotional turmoil that somebody could be under. So, uh, why this is important is that when we're leaking our light or our life force energy, that is going to have an influence on our physical body system. If you notice how some people age differently than other people, some people get to the age of 50 or 60 and they're looking better than ever. Their skin's still tight. They are healthy and vibrant. You know, they might have some wrinkles and some showing of their age, but they're not like other people you might see where their ears got all deformed and their, their nose is longer than it should be. And, you know, their face is drooping. It looks like their face is melting. You know what I'm talking about? You see, so yeah, I'm pushing 50. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, you, but your, face, <laughs> your, your face is not melting. <laughs> no, no, but I do uh, see all kinds. Like when I, the few times that I've been home and been out and about and seen people I went to high school with, it, it's shocking for me. I'm like, oh, you're my age. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, you know, be like, wow, do, do I look like that? Bro, yeah, I feel no. you. I'm only 33 and I look at uh, the other male specimens of my age group and demographic and I'm like, it's pretty easy to be good looking in a world run rampant with demonic infestation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Not a lot horrible. of competition. One of the advantages of the Kali Yuga, I guess. And, and, and what you were, what you were describing right there, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm just most fascinated with, with our society is this absolute lack of will and you know and that's an internal gumption type thing and you see so many people um where people all the time are just shocked by the things that i do and the way that i live and how do you do that and it's it's that i just don't quit i I don't understand you know like if, if it's if it's time to eat, you you know, you're going to do what you got to do to eat and you're just going to keep going. And in today's society, so many of these people, they'll just curl up into a ball and die. Like they don't have that internal gumption. And it's an interesting thing because occasionally you'll see it in an animal, like an animal will get born and there's nothing you can tell that's particularly physically wrong. And what they call it is thriving. It just refused to thrive. You know, that animal wouldn't thrive. It just had no will to live and just didn't, didn't, didn't ever go. Um, and you see it in plants even where a plant, sometimes a plant will pop out of the, uh, seed and it's a perfectly healthy looking plant. And it's just like all this other 20 plants next to it. And that one just never gets bigger, never does better and just kind of peters out. Maybe it just needed you to cheer it on. Clearing on your plants does help them. (laughs) Could be. It very well could be. Well, one of the things about that idea that is so important is that a lot of Western society is suffering from an energetic imbalance, energetic sickness more than that's leading to their physical illness. And so uh, a particularly common result of somebody that receives an auric balancing with this particular like biofield theory applied is that with a healthier plasma body with a stronger membrane that can hold more of their own life force energy. That's more of yourself and thus more of your will, more of your why you exist, like as a specific unique being, you know, the more of that light or life force you can hold without leaking it, the more you know yourself, the more you remember your mission for existing. And uh, on like an electrical level, if you consider that energy to be what allows you to act and do things in the world, You'll, you'll notice with people sometimes that after a session, 
they might go and like clean a closet that has been left untouched for a long time, or they'll, they'll finish projects that they weren't finishing. It's like whatever your energy level is at, if you can only hold 70% of your energy at once, then everything that you do is going to be 70%. And if a task requires you to get 80, 90% effort or 100% effort to complete the task, it's going to be left undone. That also applies to your, that applies to your body and healing processes. If your, your body has some toxicity it needs to remove or detox or some injury like a scar that it would heal, but it doesn't have the energy to see the task through to the end, it won't even start because otherwise that would be a waste. So you'll find that, you know, you're another layer of your body is the place where you live and you're dwelling. And if you have a stronger organizational principle going on in your body and your biofield, your space will become better organized. <laughs> you know, it might not look like the level of organization that uh, like a professional real estate home stager would come in and decorate it at. But for you, it'll be organized the way that flows for you and works for you, as opposed to being things left undone and unfinished, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and, and we all have suffered that. Um, my, um, when you walk home, like if you come into a house and your house is just trashed, it's hard for you to even want to think about doing anything. It's like, well, I've got like 23 thing, things I got to do right now. Where do I start uh, to, for me to cook supper? I'm going to have to wash the dishes and to wash the dishes. I'm going to have to clear this countertop off. And to do that, I'm going to, oh God, I just give up. I'm just going to eat a Twinkie and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So uh, the important thing about that is your throughput. And that's why it's so wise to have the practice of finishing what you started and doing the dishes before you eat the meal so that, uh, you know, when you come back and it's time to make another meal, you're not starting with the end of the previous process. You finish the process everything every time. But if you don't have the if you don't have the juice to do that, then you start to build up a deficit and things pile up and pile up. So very yep. important to uh, approach this from an energy and a balance level. It's actually something that can be a big help to finishing things that you start. And, and it, uh, the next thing like to flow in from biophotons, we might put this on the other half, but the next thing that comes into play is the psychic vampirism thing. So I have a, a slide on that coming up. Absolutely. And I want to get into Acrylian photography and see what you think of all that and matching that up to what you're talking about. Um, but the one point I want to make before we go ahead and take our break from YouTube and uh, all the other platforms and cut exclusively over to Rockfin is uh, that uh, one of the things that really makes that stand out is when your house is nasty like that, you will have that non-start feeling. But as soon as you get around to actually and get the gumption up to do that first thing and your house starts looking a little cleaner and it gets less cluttered, just like uh, Chance is talking about, and you start getting a little better, all of a sudden you want to move on to that next one. Um, the, the, the motivation to do something very seldomly happens before you start. It's not until after you start and start getting that motion and process that you truly feel the motivation of that. But with that, we're going to go ahead and cut off from YouTube and uh, everybody else and switch on over to Rockfin. I'm going to give Chance another chance to uh, tell everybody where they can go find him and uh, get this amazing work that he's been putting together. 
Awesome, dude. Yeah, thank you. Interversepodcast.com is my website. And if you go to the shop tab, there is a page where you can see more about sound healing. There's even a video on that page with a group healing session. And that is also very effective. I mean, this transcends time and a present moment necessity. You can actually tap into this coherent sound and the intention within the ceremony at any point in the timeline. Uh, One of my recent clients actually came to me and whenever I was like doing the process of measuring her energy field, the diagnostics at the beginning, I was like, whoa, I've never seen somebody show up with all their chakras completely energized in the same relative size as each other. Like, do you even need this work? (laughs) Actually, though, we because she came correct like that, the amount of stuff that we're able to get flowing in the deeper levels of, as you would say, like the the old salt memory that we could get to was way stronger and facilitated by the fact that she had been doing so much self work before she showed up. And that I asked her what she'd been doing to come all to come to the session already. So like shiny and coherent and it had been singing and breath work and she had been listening to the group healing session recorded in the video that I was referring to for several days. And I was like, Whoa, I've never heard, never heard of the result of somebody using that daily for like a couple of weeks at a time. And it seems like it had a a big effect. So that's free on my website. Fantastic. I I totally recommend everybody go check it out. Um, If you've never uh, heard of it with the tuning forks, this is ancient technology. The Tibetans use uh, the singing bowls to achieve this same ki- kind of thing. Um, so this kind of sound technology has been around for ever and understood that this is something that works. And if you look, there's a- ancient ruins and we'll get into all of this in the second hour that have different cymatic patterns that tell you what sound something is going to do. So with that, we love you all on YouTube and we'll see you guys all on the Rockfin side. Love you guys. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to my conversation with Benjamin Balderson, good old Baldy. If you want to hear the rest of this talk, go to Odin's Alchemy on Rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N. You can catch the whole thing there and it is free. I don't think you even need a Rockfin account, but hey, that seems to be the best place to support people like Ben and myself, so... If you want to hear the full two-hour-plus conversation with Ben Balderson on Odin's Alchemy, R-O-K-F-I-N dot com slash Odin's Alchemy, and I will link this in the show notes description for wherever you are catching this upload. Thanks for tuning in. Much love.